0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. There's something about being in a room with people. I I understand the safety concerns. I'm not ignorant to the safety concerns. I'm not ignorant to what's happening. If you've been watching the services, you know I'm not blowing this thing over, but it's great. To have church with people. We're still in our message series. Love God. Love others. Prove it. And, uh, I just, uh, I, I, I have a word bubbling up in my spirit and, uh, I'm not going to be long today. I have a fairly brief message, but it's important. And so I just hope you just focus here for a minute. Uh, whatever you're doing, try to, try to just do One thing, try to just focus on the Word of God this morning. Just try to spend a little time here, block off some time for Jesus, block off some time for the Holy Ghost to minister to your heart so that your cup can be filled up so you have plenty to give out this week. We need our cup to be filled. We need this refreshing. We need to uh, feast on the Word together. We need to be washed in the water of the Word. We need to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. So focus on what's happening here. Right. Uh, You know, when I got when I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus, you know, I didn't grow up in the church like many of you. I gave my life to Christ uh, in my 20s. And uh, I knew almost right away that I was marked for revival. Many of you that are with us at Revival Life Church, the same thing is on your life. You've been marked for revival. You don't just want man-made religion. You don't just want a book study. You don't just want a social club. You want to see the hand of God moving in South Florida with signs and wonders. Basically, you want to prove that God is alive. You want proof. You want to be able to prove it to other people. This is not just some delusion that we've talked ourselves into. This isn't some, just some sort of crutch because our life wasn't going well. We love God. He's caused us to love others and we can prove it. We can prove it and we will prove it. And so I um I began studying revival right after I got saved. I've I've just I've studied revival my entire salvation. And the Lord has gifted me with the ability to see trends. He's, he's, he's gifted me with the ability to um, see patterns, to see, to kind of back up a little bit. and and see things uh, maybe not as close, but kind of see what the Lord is doing. And as I study revival through the ages, we fall into a trap of falling in love with one move of God and thinking every move of God has to look like that. That's kind of how we're deceived into thinking our gift is the most important gift. We don't do it selfishly or, or pridefully. It's just our worldview. I'm a preacher, so I think everybody should be a preacher. If you're a teacher, you probably think every gathering should be a Bible study if you're an evangelist you think that at every meeting people should be getting saved If you're a pastor you just want people to be comfortable this is this is nothing wrong with that but it's important that we see the pattern of what God is doing so we can track with him and um, you know we, we love the Azusa Street revival it's what we kind of theologically and our spiritual heritage comes out of the Azusa Street Revival and when you look at the Azusa Street Revival the slander about the revival was that uh, the, the other ministers in Los Angeles said, you know, there's that's no revival happening there. You come to Los Angeles and you'll see that Los Angeles hasn't been touched at all by this. And, and that is true. Uh, if we look at uh, how maybe Finney did revival or how Jonathan Edwards did revival, theirs were very localized. The city was evangelized and... Uh, and, 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 and there was a, a mark there. But when we look at other revivals, we look at the Azusa Street revival that touched the world, yet didn't have a profound effect on Los Angeles. When we look at the healing revivals of the 50s and 60s, where God was doing a new thing and he was pouring out new gifts of healing and teaching, uh, it, by and large, was not uh, based on a city coming to the Lord yet it was still a revival. We look at the revivals of the 90s. Again, we had the outpouring in Toronto and many other places, and uh, Brownsville Assemblies of God. Um, Brownsville was kind of focused on, um, uh, more on repentance. Uh, the Toronto Revival was more of a focus on the love of the Father. And, uh, and, and the Toronto Revival probably had a, a larger global impact, uh, though the Assemblies of God And many others were touched greatly by the Brownsville, yet neither Toronto nor Pensacola where the Brownsville church was, were really greatly touched. And you may say, well, that's not a real revival. I'm here to let you know that's what God chose to do. Uh, And I have found in my life, life goes a lot better when I stop trying to tell God how he should do things. And instead, I try to track with what he's doing and say, look, there's God. That, that that I found way more fruitful in my life to look for what God is doing instead of looking for God to do what I want him to be doing. I mean that's a great recipe for disappointment when God is not doing what you want him to be doing I can tell you that because I've lived there for a long time <clears throat> and so as I look today I look I, I, I got to tell you <clears throat> when I look at the the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s and I and I see the the peace movement. Now, God was doing something significant. He did what they called the Jesus movement. And the soulish, secular version of the Jesus movement was the peace movement. So it's about peace. And uh, as, as the older saints have told me, you look at a peace symbol and it's a broken upside down cross. And that's what they called it then. It was a broken upside down cross. But... These people, in their soulish, carnal way, were reacting to what God was doing. Our society was crying out for peace. And so these people turned to Buddhism and meditation and drugs and sex, looking for it. But in the midst of that, some found God. And in the midst of it, the Jesus movement was born. And these people found the real peace, the Prince of Peace. Who surpasses understanding a generational piece that you just can't find in LSD. You don't find it in sex. You don't. You only find it in Jesus. And for those who could not see that God was doing something different in that age than He had done in the 40s and in the 20s and in the 1800s, for those who could see it, they could reap the harvest. Those who couldn't just judged the younger generation and their lawlessness and their lack Of respect and growing out their hair and changing societal norms. But the prophets see God is doing something new. And I tell you, in this day and age, God, the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of South Florida and over the face of the United States and the face of the world. He's doing something new. There's a cry for justice in the earth. There's a cry for equity in the earth. And It's hard to read the Bible and not see God's desire for justice. And he's doing something right now. And now some people uh, don't know that because they don't know God. And so they think this is an attack on how things are supposed to be or it is an attack on our values and our morals. No, friend, if justice is an attack on your morals, then your morals need an overhaul. If justice is an attack on your values, your values need Jesus. The Spirit of God is wooing us. He's wooing us to love justice. He's wooing us to love people who need justice, just like Jesus did. It's an amazing time to be alive. We can't let this pass us by. I, for one, am not going to let this pass me by. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. And when we started this, I had a, a, a meeting of the 20s when I really saw this so clearly and I wanted to get some people involved. And I let them know, hey, I want you to understand that anytime the greatest warfare to this, the greatest attack to this generation's revival is always the last generation's revival. They want the new revival to look like their revival, but they had their revival. God needs to revive something new. Yet and still, we have to build upon what God has done. We don't throw away the old boundary markers. And we are determined to build upon what God has done and see Him move, see Him released into this new generation. I'm not going to let it pass. So I met with the people. I said, listen, if we're going to go with what God is speaking to us, you better expect some warfare. You better expect... Some reprisal. I'm not prophesying, but it's how it goes. And not long after that, I have starting to get the love notes on social media and direct message, and had people trying to hack all my social media um, profiles. And hey, you, know, you can have it. Like, right? like, like. You know, I'm going with Jesus either way. In the next 15 minutes. So what I have right now, so it'll probably be a little longer than that. I want to break down really quickly how we're going to see Jesus in this generation. Jesus made it pretty clear. There is a link between the love we have for God and the love we will be able to show others. There's a direct link between the love we receive from God and the love we're able to give others last week, uh, I don't know if you saw, if you were part of the Burning Room, you watched our prayer meeting, uh, Duke and Chelsea shared, I I shared a little clip of it uh, in the outro of our service last week. Duke talked about this radical revelation about the love of God and how the great commandment came before the great commission. Why is this revelation so important? Well, some people don't take either one important. And so it doesn't really matter the order. But if you take the Great Commission important, like I know you do, super important why we do it. The why is super important. <clears throat> why? Why is it so important that we understand this love of God if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission? Let me explain to you. <clears throat> How we view God will directly determine how we share God. What we share about Him. Whether or not it sticks with people. Whether or not people feel this is going to be important for their life. We're not going to change God for anybody. We're not going to remake Him in an image that people, it's easier to swallow. But the real God is really good. He's really desirable. Jesus Christ is the desire of the nations. And it's possible that our witness has not been attractive because the God we've been worshiping is not the true God. See, self-image helps to determine the depth of intimacy we will have with God. How we see ourselves helps determine how intimate we can be with God. When we share intimate time with God, we experience the love of God. Now, this love that God shows us, it transforms us. You see, we're born into a world of sin, of selfishness, and the enemy has full authority to whisper lies into our ears to tell us that we're not worthy, to tell us that we deserve punishment, to tell us that the wrath is coming to tell us that we deserve a mean God. And you know what, friend? We do. We absolutely deserve a mean God because of our sin. Fortunately for us, that's not what we got. We got a loving God. We, he's not reacting to us. He is love. And this love that He shows us, it transforms us. The love of God is the transforming agent the world needs. It's a transforming agent that the church needs. It's a transforming agent that our government needs. It's the transforming agent in the world. It it transforms us. You see, we were created in God's image. You and I friend, we were created in God's image. And the truth is God is love. We were created for love. We were created in God's image. Now, John said it this way, God is love. He is love. It's not an attribute of His. It's not something He contains or something He expresses. It's who He is. Take for a second, just to kind of go on a mental journey with me here. Let's pretend that this is a chalkboard. And on this chalkboard, we were to draw a circle. And we put some X's in it, a bunch of small ones, and one big X. And we tend to think of God like the biggest X in the circle. If the circle is everything, God is the biggest X. Friend, God is not the biggest X. God is the circle. God's not just the circle. God is the chalkboard. God's behind the chalkboard. God is the process of writing on the chalkboard. He is everything. And that everything is love. It is who He is. It's not just the dust in the air. He is the air. He's the dust in it. God is everything, and God has chosen to express Himself as love. And when we choose to spend intimate time with God, we experience the love of God. We we experience it. Here in coronavirus times, The age of pandemic. Some of you, your lives have gotten extremely busy. Many of you, your life is not as busy now. We're not commuting as much, maybe, or uh, we're not not going to church. We're having church at home, so we're just not in the car as much, and we have time to spend with God. Friend, I'm, I'm here to let you know: you always have enough time to do everything that you're supposed to do. God knows that you have 24 hours in a day and He knows what you need to get accomplished. And He's given you plenty of time to do everything you need to do. Single moms out there, I I know you're you're squeezed. I'm not belittling your crazy life. I, I, I get that. Single parents, excuse me. I didn't just mean moms. But when we share intimate time with God, we experience His love and this love transforms us. If if you're uncomfortable with love, you're going to be uncomfortable with God. If you don't believe that you are lovable, you're going to find it hard to receive God's love. This is why I'm saying how we view ourselves has a great impact on how we view God. If you don't think you're worth time, then you don't think God's going to have time for you. If you think that people just abandon you, you're going to be fearful that God's going to abandon you. If you've had to do things on your own, you're going to think that God's going to leave you to do things on your own. No, friend. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. If It's going to be hard to have authentic, healthy relationships with others if you view yourself differently than God sees you. Because you can't be authentic. Because you don't believe in the real you. Stick with me for a second. Lots of folks are trying to earn acceptance instead of learning to receive love. And it's a trap that we have in a society like ours. See, receiving the love of God for you techies out there, it's like getting a firmware update. Now, if you own any electronics Every now and then, you know, they'll say, hey, we have to stop and upgrade the operating system or upgrade our firmware. Firmware is the software that runs the hardware. And we have invented our own firmware for our lives. And then God comes along and says, you need a firmware update. You need an upgrade to your firmware from a life of survival to a life of love. Do you see yourself as created in God's image and a lover of other people? Because that's who you are. Are you able to share openly and honestly with the closest people in your life your deepest hurts and struggles? Can you freely shower praise and affection on your children? Or do they only know correction, criticism, disapproval? Do you spend time showering them with encouragement? Are you free to love friends and family members around you? Or do you feel like you have to hold something back? Now, men. I know that men like to live life with like a, a thick suit of armor. Oh, I'm, I get it, guys. It's because we have been taught to reject this aspect of our identity. This aspect of love. I have a couple things I want you to focus on today. As I said, the first one was that we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. So we can be positioned... to be in His image. Second thing is, we need to wake up to your need for connection. You need to wake up to your need for connection. We like to think that, you know, we love independence here. We, we like freedom. We like being single. And men love to think that we can make it on our own. As a matter of fact, we brag about it. I did this all on my own. Friend, nobody did it all on their own. None of us have done anything on our own other than be lonely. That's the only thing we've done on our own. Watch this. Jesus said in John chapter 5, He said, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, these things the Son does also. Jesus modeled that who we are is not created to live alone. This is what Jesus modeled. He said, look, even I don't live alone. I live connected to the Father. We need to be connected to God and connected to people. Our lives should be lived to develop healthy connections. You know, when you go to heaven, the only thing you can bring with you are the relationships that you form here. The only thing you're going to bring to heaven with you are the people whose lives you affected here. We're not gonna bring any of our money, not gonna bring any of our stuff as much as I like stuff as much as the next person. Um, and I don't mind money. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. They say money doesn't solve all problems. It solves some of them. <laughs> Lack of it sure causes some problems. Anybody say Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, you know, I'd like some too much money problems. <laughs> I've had plenty of not enough money problems. I'd like some new problems. The too much money problems, uh, you know. So, but money, you know, is, you know, we know as Christians that money's not going to fulfill our purpose. <clears throat> what we really need are people in our lives. I don't want to get super up in the fields today, but. Relationship problems come because we're afraid to be known. We protect ourselves. We keep people at bay. Or we're in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be known. We need to know and be known. We need to not be hiding our shame and our fear and our disappointment. See, the truth is, the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to you. And the Bible says that the Spirit Himself testifies that we're children of God. Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And as we develop our relationship with Holy Spirit, He does that work. He does the firmware upgrade. He starts letting us know, the closer you get to the Spirit of God, He's going to be speaking this over you. Hey, 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 hey. Listen, I hear what you're praying for. Remember who you're praying to, your father. Remember what you're asking for, what your father desires. Hey, don't beg. You're a child of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Don't be fearful. Don't don't, don't be worried. This is when we get close to the Holy Spirit and we allow Him access into our hearts. He'll testify to our spirit that we're children of God. This power of God, it's an open door to intimacy with Him. When we have these power encounters, it's an open door to intimacy. When, when we experience salvation, it's an open door to intimacy with God. These encounters are snapshots of who God is. He's a healer. He's a lover. He's a showing you a better future. He's warning you of things to come. He's giving you wisdom. He's Healing your body, healing your soul, healing your heart. It's who He is. Don't let coronavirus rob you of connection. I've talked to so many people recently. As a matter of fact, we were talking about it before the service. I think one of the the worst thing about coronavirus is is the deathly sickness, right? So that's the worst thing about it, obviously. But aside from getting it, it's the isolation it's causing. The coronavirus, uh, the fear is isolating people. And here's what I've seen happen. I've seen people get so fed up with the isolation that they make bad decisions. Oh, I'm so tired of being in the house. I'm just going to go out and like it's all or nothing. No, no. Uh, in, In March, we didn't know. It's not March anymore, it's July. It's late July, and we know if everybody wears a mask, we're pretty safe. So make good decisions, but let me tell you this you gotta talk to people. You gotta talk to people in public. You gotta get around some Christians and talk about the Word of God. You gotta be in the same room with some believers. It just has to happen. Now, you might say, whoa, 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 I'm not ready for church. Good. Me neither, right? Like, we're not having more than a dozen people in this building at a time. I'm not throwing it all away because, you know, I want to have church. I want to, I mean, I miss church. I miss praising God with people. I miss laying hands on people and seeing them get healed. I miss prophesying over people. Wow. I miss miracles. I miss hugging people I love in the faith. I miss seeing people get saved right here at the altar. I miss all of that. Uh, We just can't do that in mass yet, safely. But I could be in a room with a couple other people. And so can you. And we have to start thinking, making good decisions. Do not let coronavirus rob you of your faith and rob you of your church. What what I see happening is... I'm seeing gathering with the saints becoming less and less and less of a priority with some Christians. They may go out to eat at restaurants, but they won't get together with anybody and watch the service. Or they may watch the service, but now they're doing it while they're doing something else. And sooner or later, the Word of God will just become background noise. Friend, you cannot allow the Church of Jesus Christ to just become background noise in your life you have to contend for the faith you have to contend to gather with other believers even if you have just somewhere for dinner or you just say hey we're going to go to starbucks and have a cup of coffee outside nice and socially distant but we got to get together with other believers we cannot stay isolated again you know no shame on anybody who has to isolate no shame. I, we're praying for you. We pray for you all the time. If you're immunosuppressed or for whatever reason, no shame. But again, friends, if you can go to Publix, if you can go to the office, if, if you can go, good Lord, if you can go to the gym or get your nails done, you can gather with people and read the Word of God. This is what Christians do, or they lose their faith. And we're not going to let that happen on our watch. This revival God is starting requires connection. And the enemy is working very hard against that. <clears throat> we have prayer every year, every every week and Friday nights. We have a sign up for that. Once we get our video system dialed in, we're going to start having live preaching here on Sunday mornings. We'll do several services if that's what it takes because we're just not filling this place. It's just not safe. But we need to create places. If you want your life group doesn't have anywhere to meet and you guys want to meet here on a weeknight other than Thursday, let us know. A life group can you know have 10 people in it in this room and meet all the safety guidelines. If you want to meet at a park or you want to meet in a parking lot or come to our masquerade you can drive by in your car and wave and pick up a mask, or you can get out, wear your mask, be around some believers. You need it. We cannot isolate. Last thing I want to tell you, you need to be who God called you to be. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to be me. My wife wishes I wasn't me half the time, right? So don't, don't, don't try to be me. Just you got to be who you are, though. God has called you to be a loved daughter or son of God. This is who he's called you to be. I had a conversation. I have too many of these conversations. I'm not. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <clears throat> there's were, there was a debate. I don't know why I get into these things, but. There was a debate about the women's role in the church, and a woman's leader was saying, You know, so often uh, men make decisions in the church without hearing the woman's point of view, be it roles in marriages, maybe a role in a broken marriage, maybe where the husband has wandered or has mental illness. And it's really easy sometimes for men to say how women need to. Fulfill a certain role in those times. And this female leader in the body of Christ was saying, Hey, please talk to women. You know, just get some insight. And I just made the comment it's almost as if you can't get the full counsel of God without women in the room, huh? Hello. <clears throat> I find it really interesting that God made Adam. And Adam walked with God. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine what that was like? Just he walked with God. He would just walk with God. And that was before the fall. So he walked with God, yet God still said that Adam was alone. That was God's definition of alone. He didn't have people in his life. Can't just be you and God. Can't just be you and God. My faith is very private. Oh, that's the problem. You need to make it a little more public. Bring some people and do it. You were created for love, you were created for intimacy with God, intimacy with your family, intimacy with loved ones. You have to be who God has called you to be so the people can have the authentic you in their life. People need the real you. They need you to show up and be you in their lives. They don't need who you think they want you to be. The real you will experience the real love of God that you and I need. But not only that, you're called to be an instrument of His love and to demonstrate it to others. In the past revivals, we have become intimately knowledgeable about the power of God. And I'm thankful for that, and I want more of it. But what we are learning is that when the power of God comes in upon the love of God, it not only changes circumstances, it changes lives. It absolutely changes lives. It makes disciples. Friend, this is who I want you to be. I want you to be someone who knows God loves them. I want you to be someone that your family knows is love. I want, some, I want you to be someone that your church knows is love. I want, I want you to be someone that your enemies know is love. They can... Maybe talk bad about what you believe, but they just can't talk bad about you. This is who we're called to be. We're called to be loved. We're called to pray for people who persecute us. We're called to love those who hate us. This is, this is who we're called to be. And God is going to use this generation as a vessel of His love for other people who are among the least of these. This is the revival that's being born right now. And friend, I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm not gonna let the world define what happens with this move of God. I'm going to be a part of it. Amen. I'm gonna pray for you. And then. Honey, did that make sense? Does that makes sense, Corey? Ramples, that makes sense? Okay. They said it made sense. Soana, Zoe, yeah? Okay, they gave me thumbs up. Thumbs up, good word. Hey! Shaba, I'm enjoying the Lord right now. The presence is so good in here. You know, Tracy and I came to Burning Room Friday night. You know, we weren't leading at all. We just came to be in the room with ministry that we weren't ministering. Oh, the presence of God was so good in here. Woo! We were, I just laid on the ground over there. We just, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I hope you have your, wow. (laughs) Woo. Shabbat. Ha, ha, ha. Wow. Okay. Woo. Friend, ha. We're going to have communion with the Lord here, but you're going to commune with the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, oh my gosh, is this love or what? On the night he was betrayed, he had a meal, invited his disciples to partake. And he said, this bread, this bread is my body. Just like this bread is broken, I'll be broken for you. But I want you to eat this. Let it become a part of you. Let it become a firmware upgrade in your life. Receive the body of the Lord. Hmm. Wow. He also took the cup. He said, This is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink. Wow. 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 Do it in remembrance of me. Wow. Wow. There is power in here right now. Wow. As you receive this cup, I just declare in your heart a cleansing, a refreshing, it, wow, an intimacy, in a new power to forgive and to love. Wow, receive, wow. I'm on fire right here. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Father, we love you. Wow, I love these people. I pray that you would draw them into fellowship. ha! <laughs> fellowship with you and with one another. In Jesus' name, wow. Amen and amen and amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord. I don't know the last time you did that. Right there in your living room. Look, be nice to someone on purpose this week. Show love to someone. Maybe that means just you're not going to put the snarky comment on someone's post when you think to, right? Maybe you're just not going to flame them in a way that you might have in wow the past. Just be gracious. Tracy and I are so thankful for you, thankful for your faithfulness and your finances and your serving. If you're able to, uh, let us know how you can uh, that you're able to serve. We need some more people on our production team. Got lots of tech stuff. If you're into that kind of thing. Go ahead and slap like, and if you need prayer, go ahead and hit the comment, or excuse me, the the link in the chat, or text RLC help to ninety seven thousand. If you're brand new, we'd love to tell you about Revival Life Church. Go ahead and text RLC join to ninety seven thousand. We love you. We will see you in life group. If you need anything, reach out to us. God bless.